Good morning. I'm Christina Villiana, and I'm doing my best with my voice today. I am standing really against flowers. That's what I'm standing against today. <laughs> I've lived in Washington for a while now, but every time spring comes, my California roots say, we don't do flowers. So <laughs> we are here, and God's got this, and he's with me. So I wanted to start off <coughs> by talking about soldiers. When soldiers go into a mission, they are hearing specific things. They're not hearing things like, you're not going to make it, you're going to fail, this isn't going to go well. It's not what they're hearing. They're hearing, we're going to do this. We're going to go in, we're going to get our guy. It's going to be great. This is what we're going to do. We got this, right? They have a specific visual in front of them, right? They're not visualizing themselves going in and not coming back out. They're not visualizing failing. They have their moments. I know they have their moments. But they take that thought and push it down, and they put a different visual in front of them, and they say, no, we're going to do this. We're going to go in, we're going to get our guy, we're going to get out, and we're all going to celebrate later on, right? And the last thing that they really have to pay attention to is location. They need to make sure that they are in the right place, right? Because it doesn't matter if you're hearing and seeing everything you need to. If you're in the wrong location, it's not going to go well, right? So today, the title of my sermon is Sound, Sight, and Location. And I'm going to try and make it through the whole thing. So, in Hebrews 11, we get a lot of information about faith. <clears throat> but one of the key details is actually found in Romans 10:17. It says, So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. This verse is so key in growing our faith. It says faith comes by hearing. Hearing. That's how it comes. So what are you hearing, right? A lot of what we are is based on who we're with, what we're seeing, and what we're hearing. There's actually an effect for this. It's called the chameleon effect. A chameleon changes colors in whatever environment it is in. And scientists have learned that people will mimic or take on the mannerisms, speech patterns, speech inflections, accents of the people they're around most. And many times those people don't even realize they're doing it. I mean, have you ever, maybe you're not a huge person, you don't cuss very often, but then you're in an environment, a work environment, around people that do it all the time, and suddenly you notice it just slips out of you really quick. And you're like, whoa, how'd that happen? Or you notice that you're dressing a certain way, or you're acting a certain way every once in a while, and you're like, oh my gosh, that's what so-and-so does, right? It's an actual effect. I know for me, my coffee drinking probably came from watching Gilmore Girls at 16 years old. Not gonna lie. Probably is why I drink as much coffee as I drink. <clears throat> so it's a real thing. You can really see this a lot in children. When my daughter was about five years old, she started acting crazy dramatic. My husband was like, what is happening? And I was like, I don't know, she's our first kid. I don't know why she's doing this. And then, sure enough, one day my husband was watching a TV show with her on the couch, and he goes, oh, it's her. He goes, she's her. She's not watching the show anymore. And he was like, we are done with it. And we did. We turned it off because she was mimicking that person, and she wasn't of the mind to understand that you can watch it, but you can't become it, right? It's not okay. I mean, I've been in education for 20-plus years. Let me help you out, parents. Nine out of ten times when I'm in conferences with parents and they say, I don't understand why my kid would do that or say that. We don't do that at home. I say, well, what shows do they watch? Ninety percent of the time, I can pinpoint exactly why their kid is acting that way. Because what you're hearing and putting in you will come out of you. 
It's a thing. So this one scientist was quoted saying, the human voice is one of the most powerful sounds on the planet. It's the only sound that can say, I love you, or even start a war. And if you think about the depth of that, it's sound that stirs up strife and anger or love and happiness. It's what you're hearing from somebody else. So I wanted to touch really quick on the science behind sound and what we hear. So sound affects our bodies. Our bodies are 70% water. And sound travels very well in water. And water responds to it. In fact, Aaron Laser did a teaching on this one time. So a Japanese scientist named Dr. Moto dedicated his life to studying water. And he discovered that water droplets that had been repeatedly exposed to positive or negative words changed the water's color, shape, and symmetry. So we'll go ahead and put that up on the screen. So he only did, that was six drops of water. That's all it was, was a drop of water. And he went in every day and spoke evil and evil and you fool and you disgust me to these water droplets. And he would go in and speak thank you and love and gratitude and harmony. Look at how it changed. The water was hearing and then becoming something else. It's a scientific fact. Now you might sit there and think, well, I don't believe that really. So did a lot of people. So he did a second experiment. He got two jars and he put rice in it and he filled it with water and he did the same thing. With one jar, he spoke, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. And with the other jar, he spoke, I hate you, I hate you, I hate you. And within a few weeks' time, the water changed. Because what you hear will change who you are. And if you really think about that, we're 70% water. So what we're hearing is changing who we are and how we act. In fact, this is so true that a lot of kids, you can put up the next one, do it for science experiments in high school and middle school. That is 19 days where a kid tried the experiment at home just to see if it would work. And it does every time because what we hear is so important. When you hear something like a scream or a gunshot, what happens to our bodies? Something happens, doesn't it? Just from the sound of it, cortisol is released. Your heart rate speeds up. Your breathing changes. Have you ever watched a scary movie and you suddenly muted it? And your body's like, oh, okay. I can watch this now. Because it's not necessarily what you're seeing. It's the sound that is with it. That music and that intensity that you're hearing is causing that reaction in your body. Thirdly, what we hear can change our emotions and moods, right? If you were to look up how can I fall asleep better, normally you get calming rain, lullabies. People say chirping birds cause relaxation. Not with me, but that's a different story. Music can do that to us too, right? Certain songs we put on make us feel happy, energized, more melancholy, sad. Now music, who music? That's something that people just disregard as no big deal. Well, it's a great beat. I don't really listen to the words. Well, didn't we just learn that it didn't matter if you're listening as long as it's coming into you, it's changing you? So you might sit there and say, well, I don't actually listen to the words. You know, it's just an awesome beat. All my friends do it. A lot of youth and kids. Well, it's just the song. It's popular. You're still letting it go in you. And as you just saw, it's still changing you and shaping who you are. Right? It does affect you. It's getting inside of you. Researchers at a university showed in an experiment 
that listening to happy or sad music can not only put people in a different mood, and I thought this was interesting, but it changed what people noticed. So they took 43 people and had them listen to happy or sad music in the background, and they were tasked with spotting happy or sad faces. And when happy music was played, the people spotted way more happy faces. But when the sad music was played in the background, they're not even singing along. It's just what they're hearing. They spotted way more sad and depressed faces. The researchers found that music could not only change our moods, but change our perceptions. Music was directly influencing their state of mind. What you hear is crucial, whether you think it or not. So I want you to see something this morning. We're going to back up to the very beginning, Genesis 1, 1 through 3. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. So what I want you to see in these verses is that sound came before sight. Everyone wants a change of scenery, but you have to have a change of sound first. Have to change what you hear. The earth needed a change of scenery. It was void, without form. It was dark. So God said, let there be light. The earth heard, let there be light, and changed what it was. Right? So what I want you to think about today is, what are you listening to? What are you hearing in your everyday? What people are you allowing to speak into your life? Sometimes in order to see the change you want, you have to skip the fun night out with work friends and go call up a faith-filled one. What are you hearing is soaking into your heart and is producing into your life? And I don't know about you, but I want God's words to be producing in my life. I want his blessing and his favor and his way, right? So moving on, God knew that hearing isn't just enough. It's not that you just hear and everything's going to be great. Take Abraham, for instance. God knew it wasn't enough for Abraham to simply hear that he was the father of many nations. It simply wasn't enough that God was speaking truth to him. He needed to get a picture of it in his mind, right? God wanted Abraham to have a visual image. And here's where we dive into the importance of what you see. So you got sound and you got sight. Matthew 6, 22 through 23 says... The eye is the lamp of the body. So then if your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. When God created us, he really knew what he was doing. Because our eyes take in 4 million bytes of information every second. And it takes that and puts that into your brain and turns it into a 3D image or picture that's in color. So for example, if I were to say big dog... A lot of you in here just visualized a big dog. You pulled it out of your memory bank. If I changed my words and said big black dog, you changed the picture in your mind. Because what you're hearing is really exchanging pictures. Because hearing and sound really go hand in hand. If you want to see change in your life, in your health, in your finances, in your marriage and relationships, first you have to change what you hear, and then you change what you see. Abraham had to see himself as the father of many nations. So God said, go out and look at the stars. Go out and look at the grains of sand, right? This is what you will have. He had to get a different image of who he was. When the Bible says that your eye is the lamp, 
It's talking about it from a spiritual vision. What are you keeping in front of you? If you're focusing on your problems, what you can't do, what you won't have, what you don't have, then that image is going to keep you stuck where you are instead of you getting to move on to what God has for you because you have the wrong thing in front of you, right? Well, you don't understand. You don't understand my financial state. I'll never be able to own that. If that's the image that you have in front of you, then I know that it's also what you've been hearing because faith comes by hearing. So if you're hearing the word of God and hearing faith, then you're going to be able to look at life with the eyes of faith. And you're going to start to see yourself rise to new levels, accomplishing dreams, giving more, receiving more, seeing your family serve God and be made whole. Habakkuk 2, 2 through 3, I would have been able to settle with no problem. But because that's what I saw and heard every day, month out of month, I didn't want to settle for less than God's best. Waiting and persevering, that's a part of the Ephesians of having done all to stand, stand. So let me tell you guys something. Standing isn't passive. It's aggressive. It is so aggressive. We have a shield of faith. And a sword of the spirit for a reason. There's a reason that the Bible talks about armor and shields and swords, right? Because when you're standing on the promises that God gave you, the pictures and images he's placed before you, then you are blocking the lies of the enemy, right? You're striking down wrong thoughts, the wrong images, the wrong people. You're moving those wrong people out of your life. Right? That's not passive. That's aggressive. Right? You're striking down discouragement and frustration and offense and anger and bitterness and resentment. When you have the armor on, you are engaged in a battle. And what are you protecting? You are protecting the promises that God gave you. You're protecting the vision he placed in your heart. Right? When you are hearing faith-filled words, hearing the promises, writing the vision, seeing the images then you're striking down the lies of the enemy. You're blocking all those thoughts and feelings that come that say, just settle, it's too much, it's too hard, right? When you're doing that, you have your shield and your sword, then you are advancing. You're taking ground. That's how you persevere and get from land of comfort to land of promise, right? It's taking ground, it's pressing through. Go ahead and put that photo up. That is aggressive, That's not passive. That's aggressive. You don't just put up the vision in here and then stand there. No, you get your armor on and you go and you start taking that ground, pushing it out of the way, pushing away the doubt, pushing out the people that aren't lining up with what God says, pushing it, all of it out of your way. You're advancing and taking ground. It's finding the scriptures and posting them around you. It's taking the time to find the pictures of what you're believing for and putting it up to see. It's turning off the TV and letting God fill you. It's work, but it's worth it. Right? Do you want to see change in your life? Then it's going to take some work. In my class, I have some special kiddos, and I have two pictures, a kid working and a kid having fun. And I go to them and I say, first this, then this. First you're going to work, then you're going to get this. That's how it works. You put in the work, and you're making your way 
to getting to what God has promised for you. Waiting and persevering is all throughout the Bible. So here are just a few of them. Psalms 41, 40, verse 1. I waited patiently and expectantly for the Lord, and he inclined to me and heard my cry. Isaiah 30, 18. Therefore, the Lord waits to be gracious to you, and therefore he exalts himself to show mercy to you. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are those who wait for him. Did you know that in the, I think it's the Hebrew or the Greek, I think it's Hebrew, blessed means happy. So your ability to stand and wait and your capacity for joy, they go hand in hand. You can be that aggressive person battling but still filled with joy. Because it says blessed, happy. Happy is those who are waiting on him. Isaiah 40, 31, one of my favorites. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They will walk and not faint. Lamentations 3:25. The Lord is good to those who wait for him. God says, "Wait. Wait and you will be happy. Wait and stand. Let me fix all this stuff over here that you're not seeing while you're over here fighting off those doubt thoughts." combating all those lies of the enemy that are coming against you, right? Wait and stand, and I'm going to show you when to move, when to take ground, and where to go. Location's coming up real soon. You wonder how you can fight against the crud of this world going on around us? It's right here. This, right here. Which now has pretty stickers all over it. It's this right here. That's how you can fight against all that's going on in this world. It's the battering ram against every lie of the enemy. What are you standing for? What are you waiting for? What are you fighting for? What miracle is waiting for you on the other side of perseverance? Right? It's there. Tara was halfway to Canaan land, but he stopped and settled in Haram. Right? Persevere. Holding up a sword and a shield and standing, it's not the posture of passivity, it's the posture of power, right? Holding this up is power to say, he will do it. God, I will walk where you say walk, and until you tell me to move, I'm going to stand here and face my giants and say, my God is great. My God is good. I'm going to have the vision and the sound in front of me, and you can put up the next picture. You have doubt, and you have fear, and you have pain, and you have yourself standing right there with the power, being aggressive. Your miracle is on the other side of perseverance. It's there, but we have to actively stand, and to stand in the promises to say, I will guard what I hear and what I see, and I will stand, and I will wait, and I will persevere, and I will fight on my way to my miracle. So really fast. I'm going to touch on our last topic of location. There is a great importance of being in the right place. Going back to those soldiers on a mission, you could have all the right equipment, have the right everything, the right mindset, the right weapons, but if you are in the wrong place, none of that matters to you. It's gone. And the fallout of being in the wrong place, if you think about it from a mission standpoint, not only now are innocent people affected, but the people that should have been got are still free. 
doing all the things they shouldn't be doing, right? God created places before he created people. He created oceans and then the fish. He created land and then the animals. Places are important to God. God has called everything and everyone to be at a specific place, doing a specific job. So when you are where God called you to be, doing what he called you to do, then you're walking in the fullness of the blessing. So if you think about plants for a second, some plants can thrive in their natural habitat with minimal assistance, right? You think of cactus. You don't really see them growing outside because they thrive in deserts, right? Now, could you take a plant out of its natural habitat, bring it to an environment where it shouldn't be and keep it alive? Maybe. But do you know how much work that would take? Do you know how much toll and time and energy it's going to take you to keep that thing alive? Right? Same thing with God. If you're not where God called you to be, then it's going to be tiring work because you're not graced for that place. You're going to be using up your energy, using up your time, using up everything. It's going to be a toll. It's going to be not fun because you're not where God's called you to be. Did you know that God called 500 people to go to the upper room and wait for the Holy Spirit? If you look it up, he called 500 people to do it. 120 showed up. Only 120 obeyed, heard, obeyed, and was where God's best was that day. The rest didn't. They followed the voice of Jesus, they obeyed his command, and they were in the right location, and boy, were they blessed, right? So you can't just move any place you want, take any job you want, and expect God's best. He'll be with you, but if it's not where he called you, it's not going to be his best, right? You have to be sensitive to his spirit. Seek his spirit. The Holy Spirit will lead you and guide you. But are you seeking him? Are you asking him? Recently, I felt God pressing me about where I'm at and what I'm doing. And I love my job. I'm doing great at my job. I've been in this district for 14 years. I'm comfortable. I like what I'm doing. But I kept feeling that, that little nudge. And so in my quiet time with God, I, I said, God, is this what you want me to do? Do you have different plans? Am I supposed to be somewhere else? I pray daily that I am in the right place at the right time with the right people doing the right thing. I pray that over my kids every day. I pray that over myself every day. And if that's something that I really believe, then when God says move, I'm going to move. Right? When he says jump, I'm going to jump. But in order to do this, we have to really know who God is. Did you know that God is a good God? But do you know why so many people don't do what God called them to do? Because they're afraid of, what if I'm wrong? What if I didn't hear him right? What if I missed it? I have those thoughts. I just ended a career in one place and chose to go to another place. I'm being real honest. Those thoughts do come. What if I'm wrong? I feel the peace. I prayed. I feel like I'm doing the right thing. But what if I made a mistake? It's not just I changed schools. I chose to change my financial life how we live our life, it's a big choice that I made. But let me tell you something about God. Oh, and I love this about God because it's how God and I relate. He is a teacher. 
Jesus was a teacher. He didn't walk around with Peter and Paul and then go, oh, my gosh, Peter, you missed it again. Seriously, dude, I don't think you can be a part of the 12. I'm just going to cut you off. Can't do it. Can't handle you. Go seek help. He didn't do that. He corrected and disciplined and kept him going. So when you jump out in faith, you know what God's doing? He's back there going, yes, they're trying. They're trying. They're, they're stretching themselves. They have expectation of me. They're trusting me. And if you make it out this far and you missed it, and you'll know. If you missed it, God doesn't stand over there and go, bummer. Look at the mess you made. Good luck. No. He comes running over there and goes, good job. Oh, my gosh, look. You did it. You jumped out. Now we know what's not right. That wasn't me. We learned that. Yes. No, come back this way. Come back this way. You learned something. That wasn't me. Oh, there's a huge mess over here that happened because of the wrong choice. Don't worry. I'm the God of restoring. I'll restore it. I'll put it back together. Don't you worry. You tried. Good job. You tried. Come back. Come back. We learned. Let's do it again. That's who God is. And when you know that that's who God is, then it's not so scary to jump out. What if you miss it? What if? God will fix it. Bring you back. They're cheering you on saying, okay, we learned something, didn't we? Right? Thomas Edison failed a thousand times when trying to invent the light bulb. And each time, he learned something new. Don't do that. And on a thousand and one, we got light. So if you jump out, it's okay if somehow you missed it. God says, it's okay. What did we learn? Now, come back. Go back to the word. And remember, this is who I am. Let's try it again. We'll get there. He gets excited when you stretch your faith and you stretch yourself. As a teacher, I get excited when my kids try. I have one rule up on my board. It says it doesn't matter if you don't know, but it matters if you don't try. And every kid I've ever taught knows if you don't try, we will not be having a good day. (laughs) Trying is a part of my class. You have to try. Even if you don't know, try. It makes a teacher excited when they try. You're trying? Yes! Not even close to being correct, but you tried. God's the same way. He said, you tried. You believed me. You're learning. You're strengthening. You're growing in faith. That's how you grow. So location. There was a story of a man who owned a mechanic shop. I actually think it was in L.A. And he owned it for many years, and it was a mediocre He made mediocre work, right, for years and years. And one day he was driving by this huge building off the freeway, and suddenly something inside of him said, that building is yours. And he felt that he was supposed to move his business there. So he prayed about it, made some calls, found out it was for lease, felt peaceful, kept praying about it, and said, okay. So he bought it, and he moved his business there. This business was less than a mile from his old business. Seems like a weird move, right? Less than a mile? Okay. But that next year... His business increased 10 times what it had ever been before. And the only difference was location. He had to get to his place of blessing. Joel Osteen once said, you could be less than a mile from major growth. And maybe it's not a business. Maybe it's who you're hanging out with. Who your friends are with after school. Maybe it's where you go after work or after school that's keeping you from your real place of blessing. Maybe it's the job you're at. 
Have you stopped and asked God, is this where I'm supposed to be? Because when you're in the center of God's perfect will, you'll be at peace. It won't be a constant struggle. Yes, you will have obstacles. Yes, you will have challenges. Yes, you will have storms. But overall, that's where you get that. Blessed is those that wait, that joy and bless, you know, go hand in hand. When you're where you're supposed to be, even though you're pushing past that stuff, you still got the joy because you're graced for that place. There's a difference in the struggle. Right? So the Israelites, when they left Egypt, they were led by a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And sometimes that cloud would stay out for months, and they would set up camp and just wait. And other times it would move every day for like a week. But when they got up in the morning, the first thing they had to do every day was check the cloud. Where is it? Every day that you wake up, you should be checking in with God. This is what I have planned for today, God. Is this what I'm supposed to be doing? Is this where I should go? Is this good with you? There's been stories after stories of the Twin Towers and other things where people woke up and got that gut check of, don't go today. Are you checking in with God every day? Some days, I'm sure the Israelites were like, Why are we still here? We're trapped here. There's nothing here. I'm bored, right? And other times they probably woke up and looked out, and there goes the cloud again, and they're like, we just set up camp last night, right? So sometimes it's not always fun, but when you wait on God's timing, then you're always going to be under his provision and under his protection. He supplied them manna. He protected them. They were always taken care of as long as they were where he called them to be. Whether or not they were enjoying the journey at that time, He was providing and protecting. Why? Because they were persevering on their way to their promised land. They were on that journey to Canaan land. Right? So this week, I want you to ask yourself, are you in the right location? The right job? Hanging out with the right friends? Spending time at the right hangouts? Are you seeing the doors that God has opened and shrinking back because you're comfortable And that door brings the uncomfortable and the unknown. I want to leave you with one last image today of location. And I love this image very much. So you can see she's going through something. She's going through a storm. She's having a hard time. But she's where God called her to be. So his hand is over her and protecting her and providing for her. Might not look like the best spot at the moment. That doesn't look like the greatest place to be sleeping at the moment. But as long as you're hearing from God and where he's called you to be, then his hand of protection and provision is right there. Because there's a whole lot of other stuff outside of that that could be happening to her, but it's not. Because she's staying in the location that God's called her to be. And she's staying under his protection and under his provision. And every time, they'll move together. And she's going to get to her victory. She's going to persevere to her miracle on the other side. So in closing, be careful what you are hearing because whether or not you know it or believe it, it is changing who you are and where you're going to be going and who you will become. Write the vision and make it plain. Find images that match the dreams God has placed in your heart. Gotta find them. Take the time to do it. See yourself healed and whole, your family whole, your marriage restored, your finances in order, 
and you will move towards what you see. I follow a lot of um, goal-oriented people, and sometimes they even have vision boards where they, they take like a happy family and they cut out pictures of their own family and put them on the happy family. Why? Because that's what they want to see. Maybe you're working on your own physical body, so they find an image of someone that is healthy and strong and they put their face on it. Why? Because that's what they want to see. That's where they want to go. That's the direction they want to go in. You can always find an image. You just got to put in that work so that you can persevere. Last, ensure that you are in the right location. You have to wake up each day and say, good morning, Holy Spirit. Here's what I have planned today. But where do you need me? What do you need me to do today? Where do you want me to go? You have to learn how to follow the cloud for your own life. The Israelites walked out and checked it every day. Where are we going, God? What are we doing today? So let's go ahead and stand. We're going to bow our heads and close our eyes. <coughs> if you're here today and you're thinking, I don't know this God. This God who is so amazing that he never gets mad when we make mistakes. Who is a cheerleader in our corner. Who gives us the desires of our hearts. Who wants to do more than we could ever ask or think. If you're saying, I want to know this teacher. I want to learn how to walk this life in provision and protection in peace and in joy, then I'm gonna ask you to do one thing. Get aggressive. Be brave and bold. I'm not gonna ask you to come up here. I'm not gonna ask you to leave your seat. But I am asking you to boldly and aggressively say with your hand held high, I want to know him. If you're at home listening and you're saying, I want to have him on my side, then you just raise your hands right where you're at. If that is you today, please raise your hand and we're going to pray all together. Father God, I believe that Jesus is Lord and he is your son, God, that you raised him from the dead and I am saved, a child of you. I am ready for you to teach me how to walk this life your way, enjoying your blessings and favor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.